0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Today is our fan mailbag episode, so thank you to everybody who sent in a question. We'll get to them all if they were similar questions. We'll still read yours uh, and combine them so we don't answer them twice. So excellent turnout. Uh, this time is probably our best mailbag turnout, TJ. Also, I do want to wish everybody a happy Juneteenth. It was yesterday, June 19th. Uh, celebrated a federal holiday today. So um, happy Juneteenth uh, to everyone out there. Uh, also, today's episode of the Hoosier Huddle podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports, and not sports. Uh, They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. As a riding tie lifts all boats, so go check them out. Online or on social, go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let all the funk out. TJ, how are you doing today?
2: Doing great. Yeah, doing great, and I I echo your sentiments and definitely appreciate all the All the questions for the mailbag, it's really cool to have the fan input, and we'll do our best uh, to give you some good answers and some stuff to to chew on as we move through the summer. So uh, I think this is going to be a really, really fun episode.
1: It it should be a great episode, and we had a lot of great questions and things like that, and I think this weekend, there was
2: a little,
1: it's gone now, but there was a little crisp chill in the morning air. And it's like, ah, oh, college football is here. But now it's back to uh, being surface of the sun hot here in Indianapolis. So uh, mm-hmm. let's get down to it. Our first question was from uh, Travis Sch- uh, Scheidler uh, off of Twitter. He is curious if the defense returns to their ball hawking ways with Tom Allen calling the plays this year. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I, you know, last year's defense, and, and we got to talk about last year's defense to answer this question. I think last year's defense under Charlton Warren, they didn't do nearly as much as what they did under uh, Allen in 2017 and 18, and then under Womack, uh, especially in 2020 when you saw that really great Indiana defense come in with with the you know with all the takeaways and that stuff. Um, I feel more confident with Tom Allen on defense. I I don't think. Warren was a good fit I don't think maybe he gave him too much power and what to call Um, but they they looked as if they just wanted to line up and um, beat you one-on-one which at at Indiana is really tough to do because you don't have the personnel that let's say Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State has you have to use um, you know scheme up a defense uh, and scheme up an opponent and, and use some of those um, you know, the twists and the special blitzes and slants and all that stuff uh, that they used under Wamack. I think they get back to that. Now, Tom Allen's defense is a little different from Kane Wamack's defense. That's because uh, they each put their own little personal twist, uh, you know signature on it. Tom Allen learned that four two five from Kane Wamack's father. Uh, Kane has, A lot of uh, experience under that as well. So we'll see. I think you can't get much worse in the non-takeaway department as last year. Now, there is a a little bit of turnover luck in terms of, you know, sometimes uh, the ball bounces out of bounds and things like that. But I do think that Indiana's defense will get back uh, to creating more turnovers than they did last year.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and we've, we've heard Tom Allen this offseason mention, um, you know, not specifically laying out what exactly his plans are, but um, we know what his vision of a Indiana defense is. Uh, we've seen it before, and with him taking over the play calling duties again, he's made it very clear he wants things to be done the way that he wants them done. Uh, that's why he's taking over the play calling duties, is to do them that specific way. And we know that that includes aggressive play calling, an attempt to create takeaways. Uh, that's, that's a big tenant of how he believes you have to play defense and, and that you, you should play defense in Indiana. So um, I think the question is that they will undoubtedly try very hard to do that. Uh, whether or not it's going to be successful, don't know. I think that it will be more takeaways for sure as you said it's a incredibly low bar to clear from last season um you know but but to what degree it's going to be successful i'm not sure Uh, but i I think we both have a a pretty healthy dose of i'll call it cautious optimism that this defense looks a lot more like what we expect uh, here in 2022 i think health goes into that too um you know you you
1: didn't play with the outside of I think the first three games he didn't play with the healthy Tylen Mullen uh, all that often. Uh, Mond, uh, Monster Matthews was hurt as well, um, and then the defense just he just got worn down. Uh, and when when your offense isn't doing anything, it's it's easy just to throw in the towel at at the uh, at the sight of any any. Um, adversity so I, I do think they yeah. get back to their ball hawking ways again there's a little bit of luck involved in it but I do think that uh, Tom Allen will get back to scheming up that our next question TJ is from respectable Adam on Twitter um, he expects the defense to return to form but his question is about the offense on offense what do you see mm-hmm. in what offense that could lead to success this year at least on paper, it seems like we have more yeah. speed. Um, yeah, this is a tough yep. question to answer, uh, especially not seeing the spring <laughs> practice. But we've seen Walt uh, Walt Bell offense in the past. It's fast. It's up tempo. They get the ball out quick. He um, he really does a good job of fitting the offense to the personnel he has. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, it, it's really tough without seeing it. But I think you're going to see a more up-tempo offense, get the ball out quicker, um, try to use that speed. You know, if D.J. Matthews is back to 100 percent, use him, use Jalen Lucas, um, you know, the the various running backs they had. I, I just think you'll have a more diverse offense than he did under Nick Sheridan.
2: You're right, 100 percent difficult to answer this question because Wal Bell doesn't have necessarily a set offense. Uh, It's not like, oh, Walt Bell runs the air raid. Uh, We we don't know for sure what Walt Bell's vision for this Indiana offense is. However, we do know he does fit the offense to the personnel, and I agree. On paper, there's more speed on this offense with this skill personnel than there was last year. That was a big emphasis for Indiana in the transfer portal and in this high school incoming class with Jalen Lucas being added to it. Um, as well as Cameron Perry, uh, as well a possible, you know, guy on special teams and, and slot this season. Um, so the speed we're talking about would be Sean Shivers, uh, Josh Henderson, who's a, a little bit more of an all-around back, but still quicker than Stephen Carr. Um, you're you're looking at uh, Jalen Lucas. So all the running backs really an increase of speed there. DJ Matthews coming back. Um, I think. There's a hope that Cam Camper and Emory Simmons are are a boost of explosiveness at wide receiver. Um, And then I think you can expect a very up-tempo offense, quick reads from the quarterback uh, with an emphasis on getting the ball out. The big question mark for me is how will Walt Bell um, scheme an offense to maximize what he has at offensive line or perhaps it's better put, minimize the weakness of the offensive line. If the offensive line does not develop significantly, you have to find a way on offense to minimize that weakness uh, and kind of mask it. And there's, that's very difficult to do because any play you run, you need blocking. Uh, that's, that's a bit Captain Obvious, but there are ways that you can minimize what your offensive line is asked to do. Uh, and I think that we will see Walt Bell do everything possible uh, to get players in space, get quick reads from the quarterback. And I think he will want and this is kind of what Tom Allen wants as well uh, while you do want to go up tempo, I think it will be selective, and I think that they're looking for uh, some balance. You know, Indiana's not going to be a team that goes out there and, and throws it 75 percent of the time. Uh, so I think you're looking for, for up-tempo, balance, and really anything you can do to mask what is a potential weakness at offensive line.
1: Yeah, and we'll see. We'll get a good look at it when, when IU opens up at Illinois. Uh, we've got two similar questions here, TJ, um, one from Mitsukul. His question was, "What happens if we, as an i u finish at the bottom of the big ten again this year? And then
2: mm-hmm.
1: earlier, um, from i from Derek Fields, would five wins be enough, or does Tom Allen have to go to a bowl, uh, or does Indiana yeah. have to go to a bowl for Tom Allen to be safe? Um, I don't think. Tom Allen's on the hot seat yet. Uh, he's got six, I believe, six years left on his deal. He gets a year added on uh, every time he goes to a bowl game. Uh, you know, Indiana's going to get a huge influx of money here shortly whenever that new TV deal is done for the Big Ten um, broadcasting rights and things like that. I don't think the, a bowl game – it's a must go to a bowl game. I think it's you can't have another two and ten, zero oh, and nine year. Um, mm-hmm. Even then, I don't know if Indiana's athletic department is going to cut ties with him. Um, I know what I would do, and I know if attendance is dropping and you're getting this big influx of money, you could afford that buyout, uh, and you probably, you might need to move on, but. He's been very successful. He just had one down year. He's coming off of, you know, he had IU in the top 10, and you could say what you want about 2020 and the COVID year. Um, but the games were played, score was kept, and they finished six and two. In 2019, um, sure, you could say, you could, everybody could keep putting on excuses on why Indiana wasn't a good football team in 2019, 2020, but their record was 14 and seven. Um, and you could, you could say that this is, it's arguably the most successful period in IU football since the Mallory era. Um, from 1994 to 2015, IU went to one bowl game, one, uh, from 2015 to last year, IU had been to four. Um, now two of them were under, uh, Kevin Wilson, uh, and things like that, but the, the Indiana fan is not patient and you saw under Kevin Wilson as well people wanted him out early and to be honest he's probably a two-point conversion against Southern Illinois from being run out of town uh in 2015 I think if Southern Illinois gets that two-point conversion knocks off IU he's done he's done before you get to 2016 and all the stuff gets uncovered uh and things like that he um and now everybody's, oh, my God, he was so great and things like that. So, you know, you kind of look in the past with ro- with rose-colored glasses at coaches, but how are uh, – it's – who are you going to replace Tom Allen with that's going to be better, especially when you run a guy out of town who has taken you to two bowl games, finally beat Michigan, knocked off Penn State had IU in the top 10 uh, and things like that and is recruiting at the level he's recruiting. Now, if you go two and 10 and Oh, and nine again, yeah, you got to take a hard look and say, Hey, is this, is this working out or has it run its course? But if they go five and seven, I, I don't know. I, I, it, I think it depends how you, how you go five and seven, but that's a market yeah. improvement from last year uh, and, and things like that. Um, but it's going to be who who you beat, how you beat them, and are you getting clobbered? Um, look, Ohio State's probably going to clobber a lot of people, but are you getting clobbered sure. by Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan? Uh, you know, Rutgers clobbered them last year. Like, you can't have those stinkers on there. You can't get clobbered by Purdue at home again um, Yeah, and things like that. So that's where I stand on it. At five, and say, five and seven, I think he's safe. I think anything better than three and nine, and you're, you're good to go on there at least for 2023. Um, but another two and 10 season, and I think a lot of it, if if the problem is the offensive line, again, that is going to be mm-hmm. a wild card in this. Because he yep. made his choice to keep Darren Hiller. Um, and the talent is there. Uh, Hiller's done a good job recruiting that position. It's now can you develop that talent and make the adjustment, make the improvements? And Allen has acknowledged that that's an area of need. He's had Walt Bell working with the offensive line. He's had a lot of these other position coaches working with the offensive line with Coach Hiller and things like that. So if they go two and ten and zero and nine, and the offensive line was just as bad as last year and he refuses to get rid of Hiller, yeah, it might be – you might get the treatment that Bill Mallory got was, hey, we, we can't continue with this. It, it's not it's not working, and you're refusing to do what's needed um, to take the next step. However, if there's improvement on the offensive line and they go five and seven, I, I think he, he gets at least another year, if not more.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I, I would completely agree that five and seven, I don't even think questions get asked. Um I I'm not even sure if four and eight really gets any serious conversations going if those eight losses aren't particularly ugly. You know, you're you're much more competitive and the four wins includes um you know, avoiding bad losses to Idaho or Western Kentucky and includes, you know, maybe you, you punch back and knock off Rutgers and you beat Purdue, you know, so, so four and eight with no really ugly performances. And you get the bucket back. And you get the bucket back. I don't even think questions get asked. Um, I, I think that he would be very safe and the administration wouldn't even think twice um about his future five and seven same thing anything less than that and i, I do think questions get asked but it would take in my opinion it, it would take a repeat of how ugly last season was in terms of complete lack of competitiveness in the second half of the season uh, plus you know winless in the big 10 i think it would take that type of performance for there to be really hard look at his future from scott dolson and the administration and and i know that the influx of money could play a part in that make it more possible but it also that influx of money might be something where they say look we do think we have the right head coach in place this influx of money gives us an opportunity to inject some more funds into the support of the football program that that's you know, a bit far-fetched, perhaps, given how the administration has typically treated the program. Uh, But who knows? You know, it's possible. Uh, I think that how they approach this new TV contract revenue uh, is going to be interesting for sure. Uh, But I I will stand by anything better than what we saw last season. And I, I don't really think that Tom Allen's future gets questioned.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think his leash is totally gone. I think he still has a little bit, but he did lose a little bit of leash after going to oh, sure. last year. Um, but I don't, yeah, th- I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't say he was on the hot seat unless you're no. it's a total disaster by the end of the year. Um, but are exactly. you fan? It's football. It, it's not college basketball where you could fix it with 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 the you know one or two transfers or one or two recruits this thing is being built over time and you know they've had some success and sometimes success takes a dip you know and you've seen it at other programs and you've seen it at these blue blood programs where they cut bait maybe a little early and set the program back and and just never recover um and, and maybe that's happened to IU in the past too but you got to be smart about what you're doing here and not you got to
2: which is why the yeah the response to the failure is what's so important
1: yes you got to respond to the failure not just react to it and that's the difference between some fans and uh, and hopefully the athletic administration is that fans look it's short for fanatics and you're going to be emotional emotional about it and react to it instead of responding whereas you hope that Scott Dolson and whoever's in the athletic department are responding to it. Now, turning a blind eye is not the right response, but responding, okay, how can we help him with all this TV money become successful or regain that success? Um, or maybe thinking through, Hey, is this recoverable? Uh, but it, it's, they've got 12 games to figure it out and it starts with Illinois Ooh. and that's a, a pretty much a, a must win. I think a must win game, uh for the program to get back on its feet a little bit
2: ready for the next question yeah let's uh let's move on to the next one again thanks to everybody for putting these in they were really good ones to to start conversation and um, we we do appreciate it this is, it looks
1: to be a five part question from iu hype man and we'll take them uh, one or two at a time. Uh, TJ, straight up, is this year's offensive line going to be better than last year's? And all, I think all I have to say is it's a low bar to clear.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah, it will be. It will be better than last season's. Will it be any good? Time will tell, but it will be better than last season's. Um, I, I do, I mean, look, I think that, Caleb Jones was uh, a major negative on the offensive line in terms of, uh, I don't think that he was really completely healthy. Uh, I think that that caused, you know, a, a bit of a um, lack of, of fitness, if you will, which is, look, he's a, a massive individual. It's, it's, I, I do not understand how hard it must be for, for him to stay in football shape given that size. Um, that's not something I'm criticizing. It's just an observation of what I saw in the field.
1: Uh, sorry, TJ, I muted you. Um,
2: okay. I'm back. I think, I think Uh, you, I, I, I think it's better. I think it's better, but that's strictly because I do think there's been an upgrade in talent. I think that they are a veteran mature group and I, I have to think. That again, the offensive scheme is going to highlight the things that they can do well versus and and minimize the things they can't a little better than what we saw last year. So, yes, I I think the short answer is yes. Yeah, I
1: I agree with you. I think this young talent, especially if you could get, um, you know, uh, DJ Moore up to speed and, and it's not a knock on their talent. It's that they weren't in for spring. If you could get D.J. Moore and Bray Lynch to be part of that 10-man rotation uh, and Mm -hmm. get Bray Lynch bulked up a little bit closer to 300 pounds, um, I think the talent on this offensive line is a lot better than last year's. Um, And you need need to figure out the guard position. I think Haggard is solid at left tackle. I think uh, you're going to have Matthew Bedford at right tackle uh, and and things Mm -hmm. like that. You're going to have your quarterbacks going through spring, you know, fall practice healthy. They they went through spring practice uh, healthy as well. So they're they're used to that. I think that was a big hindrance to last year's offensive line play was that Michael Penix didn't practice all that much. You know, if you go back to fall, uh, spring practice and maybe it's limited a little bit in fall camp, um, but They just didn't have a lot of reps together. Same with Jack Tuttle. And we'll get to a Jack Tuttle question here in a little bit. Um, Next question. Over, under four and a half wins. I think this is a very fair number. It's probably a pretty good number from Vegas. Uh, They rarely get things, like, ridiculously wrong. Um, You take an over,
2: under four, four and a half. Over. Over. Uh, Yep. Is it a guarantee? No. Would I invest, like, my – You know, the mortgage in it, no. Um, I think that the more, like I go through the schedule and continue to come up with the most likely outcome of somewhere between five and seven. Uh, Again, not a guarantee, but a most likely outcome, which is really what you're looking for when uh, when you're wagering. You're looking for most likely scenarios, most likely outcomes. And for me, most likely falls between five and seven. Uh, seven being that they've, you know, they've really uh, achieved and five being uh, that, that things went roughly as expected. Um, I think below four and a half, while I certainly see how that could play out, um, I, I do consider the five to, to seven to be a more likely scenario. So for me, I go over. Yeah, I
1: probably take the over two especially if all these things that we think could happen do happen um four and a half is probably a, a pretty decent bar to clear uh, it is a good number because if those things don't happen you could see under four yeah. and a half wins as well um is it time to move on from coach hiller uh this is a tough question because i thought it was mm. probably time after last year but guess what he's back it's not time anymore until the end of the year uh, and you got to see what happens um, you yep. know people are, are, are getting caught up on oh he's back he's back he's back well there's nothing you can do about it now it's this is this is the coaching staff they're going to ride with um, if there's improvement great you know maybe maybe he moves on somewhere else and, and gets another coaching job um, maybe he signs an extension but if they struggle again on, on the offensive line and it's the thing holding this team back, like it did last year, it's time to move on. And, um, it, it'll be the buyout smaller. I think that, that hindered it a little bit. There's another question on that, uh, as well. So right now, no, the time is not to move on from Darren Hiller at the end of the season. We'll readdress this at the end of the season when we see what happens.
2: Agreed. Yep.
1: Yep. All right. What freshman or transfer besides Connor Bazilek are you most excited to see? And I think I know your answer.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, if I'm asked to pick one, it's Sean Shivers. That's who um, I thought you would pick. Yeah. It's there, there are several that I am interested in seeing and, and excited to watch because I do think Indiana has upgraded talent, um, you know, Sort of across the board with these transfers, I I do think, and look, this might be something that we play back at the end of the year and feel really stupid about, uh, but I I think Indiana did really well in the transfer portal. I really do. Um, Targeting positions of need, which was several. uh, Finding guys that were a good mix of veteran and players with still that Little, you know, extra year of eligibility, like two or three years of eligibility left to spread it out over classes. I think Indiana did really well. Uh, for me, it's Sean Shivers just because of the unique skill set he brings. The fact that he has uh, succeeded in the SEC was a player that Auburn fans really loved. Uh, they they liked Sean Shivers a lot. He was behind, you know, a really really good running back in Tank Bigsby. Um, that, that would keep most guys off the field as every down backs. And I think that Sean Shivers attitude in, you know, it's it's a, you know, smaller guy by football standards um, that that really had the chip on his shoulder wants to prove to people, look, uh, I'm not your prototypical size for a running back, but I can do this. I can do it at a high level and I'm going to show you that I can. Um, I, I think it's, it's something that really fits at Indiana uh, for football. And I'm really excited to see him, um, you know, break some big runs off. Cause it's something it, it's a skill set that Indiana's not had at running back for a while.
1: Yeah. I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball and go with Emory Simmons. I also like Sean Shivers, but, um, I'm going to go Emory Simmons. He's a really smooth route runner. I, I think mm-hmm. he's poised for a breakout year. Um, and, and this goes into the next question is who becomes wide, or, you know, wide receiver number one. Um, it's yep. him or DJ will uh, DJ Matthews. Uh, and both of them will battle it out. I think depends how you define wide receiver. Number one, is it the guy who gets targeted the most or is it the guy who gets the biggest plays? I think DJ Matthews will be the go-to target wide receiver yep. um, on that. But I do think that uh, Emory Sim- or yeah, Emory Simmons and-, and even Cam Camper could could all be in that wide receiver one uh, group um, or in, in that mm-hmm. conversation. Um, but I- I'm excited to see Emory Simmons. He's kind of fallen under the radar uh, and things like that. Cam Camper at a big spring practice, um, and-, and I'm excited to see him as well. Uh, but uh, Emory Simmons is-, is my guy. Uh, if I had to take a defensive guy. I, I really would like to see J.H. Tevis. Uh, he's a guy that yep. Tom Allen uh, and the coaching staff really spoke highly about in spring practice. I think he's kind of Weston Kramer 2.0, probably a little bit better than Weston Kramer. But if he has the motor that Western Kramer has, um, he'll That'd be, be a great. real yep. – he will be a very impactful uh, player on on defense. Um and then we've answered the what style of offense does Walt Bell run? He runs a style of offense that fits his personnel, so it's going to be an up-tempo offense um, that's going to be diverse. Our next question comes from Miss Midwestern Views. Uh, it's been covered a lot, but does uh, but does uh, do we think that Hiller was not let go because of the Sheridan salary cut? Allen has to take. Uh, had to take and he didn't want to take another one plus is that bush league of an athletic department to have made him do that um
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Yeah. let's answer the
2: first the first yeah let's answer the first part of it first was he not let go because of the buyout and the assumption which is probably a fair one that that would be coming out of tom allen's pocket my answer to that is no. He was not let go because Tom Allen did not want to let Darren Hiller go. Um, I, think, I think Tom Allen believes in Darren Hiller. Um, and that, you know, that, that could be on a personal level. That could be on a professional level. It's probably both. He probably believes in Darren Hiller, the person who I do not know and if if Tom Allen you know judges Darren Hiller to be a man of great character, then I have zero reason to doubt that. Um, if he judges Darren Hiller to be a guy that he wants around his staff, I have no reason to doubt that from a professional standpoint, I would say that the results on the field from what we can see have been subpar um, his his teachings his Development, we don't see it. All we get is the results, and the results haven't been good enough. Um, However, I think it is clear that Tom Allen believes in Darren Hiller personally and professionally, and that is the reason, the main reason, while the buyout could have played a small role, I think that's the main reason that Darren Hiller was kept on. It's because Tom Allen believes he's the man that can fix the problem on the offensive line. Um, He, you know, Alan has acknowledged several times the play on the offensive line wasn't good enough this past season. We believe we've got the guys that can get it fixed. So I'll take him at his word. Yeah, uh,
1: I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I do think that money played a factor in it. Um, coming sure. off of the, yeah, C- it, it could have played a factor.
2: Yeah, it could have played a factor. I'm just saying. If it's not the sole factor. I think it's a
1: combination.
2: I do not believe it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the, it's a yeah. co- it's a combination of, um, you know, Alan had to take a pay cut. I don't. Nobody wants to take a pay cut. Nobody wants to take two pay cuts. Um. So clearly, money was an issue in getting rid of Nick Sheridan. Darren Hiller had a bigger buyout. Um, and, and getting those funds now that shouldn't be an issue this year. Um.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: but i think it's a combination of his belief and relationship with hiller as well as the um lack of funds coming out of coming out of covid that that hurt um and the final question uh of miss we- midwestern views is it bush league of an athletic department to make him do that
2: if it wasn't- uh, um
1: if it wasn't COVID, yeah, I, I would say yes. But coming out of COVID with a lot, where basically everybody took furrows, yeah. Um and, and you saw, you know, Jim Harbaugh gave bonuses back to Michigan. He took a pay cut as well
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and things like that. I wouldn't call it League coming out of COVID. If it wasn't COVID, if it was like 2018, um, yeah, it'd kind of be league. But pay cuts happen all the time. Uh, and especially coming out of COVID. So I wouldn't call it Butch League. Um, yeah. But I do think it was a combination of both of them. Also yeah, from Western you know, views. Yeah, go ahead, TJ.
2: Another individual might, you know, argue that it was fiscally responsible. Um, you know, that that's a fiscally responsible way for Indiana to approach things at this point in time. Um, you know, I I don't have the answers to that. Uh, and you know I'm not going to argue with an individual whose viewpoint would be that um, you know it was the wrong way to go about it. Uh, but you know I I think it's a it's a calculated gamble, you know, because in the long run, if that's an issue that costs you a successful football program, or at least plays a large role in costing a successful football program, that's going to be a much more costly long-term decision than the short-term decision of paying the buyout. Um, but again, it's a gamble because that's not a guarantee to happen. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think there's two ways to go at it. And I, yeah, I, I don't think Bush league, however, I can see how that uh, combined with the way that IU has historically treated the football program. Um, as a bit of a second-class citizen, I, I can see how that would be a, a viewpoint for sure.
1: Yeah, I definitely get the, the sentiment there, but I don't think it's, given COVID and what every other program is mm-hmm. doing, I don't think it's Bush League. Another question from Ms. Midwestern Views, TJ, is do we feel that Tuttle has gotten unfairly criticized given his time and how he was used at IU? He sees a yeah. former elite eleven quarterback who is a selfless team leader, but was rarely given any meaningful snaps and had a bad OC and O line. Both, yes, the MSU game was bad, but he went up to Wisconsin and won, and the opening drive were very good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think he's been on. Un- I think he's been unfairly criticized, but I don't. Th- it's not because he hasn't been given a shot; it's because he hasn't been yeah. healthy enough to get that shot. Um, when he has been healthy, he's been pretty good. Um, yeah, that, that one throw against Michigan state, um, was bad, but who knows how many reps he got. He got all the spring practice reps, but then he he had to have shoulder surgery, um, after that bowl game as well. Uh, you know, and he, he can't judge his performance in the bowl game. He's, was thrown with a separated shoulder. I mean, it was impossible. I mean, you could grade his, he was a selfless, selfless team leader. Yeah. I think he, a lot of everybody in that locker room respects the heck out of him. Um, I do think he's super talented. Um, He just needs to stay healthy. He had a great drive against Ohio state to open, but on that touchdown throw he got rocked and his foot got messed up and then he tried to come back against Rutgers. He got hurt again. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't think that they haven't given him a chance. I don't think he's been healthy enough to get a chance.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that Jack Tuttle has been unfairly treated uh, by Indiana at all. I, I think that Michael Penix was the higher ceiling, better quarterback with what we Knew of Michael Penix at the time. I mean, when Michael Penix was healthy, and it was a Michael Penix that we saw, um, you know, during Indiana's really good season. Uh, I, I don't think you could make an argument that Jack Tuttle should have been playing. Um, so I don't think that Tuttle's been unfairly treated. I think the criticism is a, a reasonable thing to do, given some of the mistakes that he's made, but you're right. A lot of that is caused by a lack of reps, the lack of health. Um, again, the durability for a quarterback question comes into play and, you know, we just have to hope that he's healthy enough, which he is right now. Uh, and he, we was this past spring. So you got to hope that he's healthy enough to give the starting quarterback competition, a real run. Um, and you know, give it a chance for him to beat out Connor Bazelak on merit. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for is that it's two guys that are, that are healthy and the best person wins out. Um, and if, if Jack Tuttle's healthy and Bazelak's just better, then so be it. Uh, but I, I, I do think that if Jack Tuttle can stay healthy throughout the off season, he's got a real shot to win the job.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and it's kind of shocking that Jack Tuttle came back for a year after all the injuries and, and stuff he's been through, but it, the kid's a gamer, um, and I think he – he clearly
2: believes he's got more to give. Like, he believes he yeah. has not been able to show himself at his best, and he yep. wants that shot.
1: Yeah, he, he sure does. Uh, so, I think a little of criticism is, is not on him, um, but I, I think that um, – I, I, I do think that he – his playing time hasn't been because he's been treated unfairly. So uh, next we'll go to Hoosier Daddy, T, uh, TJ. I did, I did mute you. Um, next we'll go to Hoosier Daddy. His um, his question is for the offensive defensive line play is always the most pressing issue. Can we talk about the O-line and D-line in terms of returning production and incoming players who may – might have a an impact let's start with defense because we talked a lot about the offensive line uh earlier yeah the defensive line you have two transfers coming in from all Ole, Ole Miss and in, in uh I think it's Patrick Lucas and oh uh, somebody else what's his name um there are two defensive tackles coming in uh that that'll play a big big part in in that defense, you have JH Tevis coming in as well. Um, so I, I think the defense line needs some depth to to prove themselves. So with um, it, uh, Ladarius Cox is the other one. If those two yes. can can come in and fill in a role and be part of the rotation, you also get uh, Co. Uh, in there at defensive tackle as well. Uh, You probably need somebody else in that rotation. Do you put J.H. Tevis at defensive tackle uh, in in that rotation? Do you put – you also have Demarcus Elliott too. I can't believe I forgot him. Uh, So you have four in Elliott, Cox, uh, and Patrick Lucas, and C.O., that could be your rotation who do you have behind them because it it would be nice if they could get six in that rotation along the outs does cooper jones step up into that does nick james as a freshman come in and, and give them some meaningful minutes um and things like that so so we'll see uh and then you have um on the outside, you have James Head coming back. Bo Robbins, I thought, played very well at times last year. Uh, you know, he, he played all right. And then you have that linebacker bull position with Jared Casey and um, some of the other guys coming off the edge on that defensive end bull position. What's your take on, on this defensive line?
2: You touched on him in terms of incoming freshmen. I do think Nick James, um, is going to play a role. Uh, I, I, I think that he's played at a high level of competition in terms of high school football. I think he physically, um, looks to ready to contribute. I don't think it's going to start, but I do think that he is going to play a role. Um, so that would be kind of my, my guess there. Um, I think you're deep enough. However, you can't really afford very many injuries to your veteran guys. Um this is the biggest that Indiana has been along the defensive line uh probably for I would say under Tom Allen and it's probably been a lot longer than that. Uh it's a very big defensive line on the interior. So I think it's promising and getting DeMarcus Elliott back uh, was a, a huge boon because he's a very solid force in the middle there. Him and Co are a good, solid force. And then a pair of old Miss transfers to to bolster that. And I think you've got some young guys so you don't have to, you know, force into action. Uh, but I, I do think that Nick James is going to be good enough to play.
1: Definitely. So it's, it's a matter of depth. Can guys get, uh, you know, a little bit – can these freshmen come in and get bulked up a little bit? be able to handle these big 10 offensive linemen and, and can the, the top six or, you know, the top four on the defensive tackle position stay healthy uh, to, to bring that bulk um, along the, the defensive line on the offensive line. Um, if you've read any of our countdown to kickoff or we're, we're right in our offensive line segment uh, of the kickoff and, you have a lot of young guys who are getting ready to play um, major minutes. Uh, Vinny Faya Cable, who's a redshirt freshman, he's going to uh, compete for time. Uh, along that, you're going to have Zach Carpenter is going to start again. He's a redshirt junior. Um, Khalil Benson's healthy as a redshirt sophomore. Matthew Bedford's the senior on that, so he'll he'll start. <laughs> Um, you could see Tim Weaver play a little bit more. Luke Haggard as, as a sixth-year uh, graduate senior as well. Um, so there's Josh Sales as a redshirt freshman. It's another guy who who could be in that rotation. Uh, Parker Hanna is a, a Division II transfer coming in who could play minutes. I think you're going to see a lot of different um, new – Just new players along that defensive line that really didn't get a chance to play last year um, because of their age and size and and youth and all that stuff. And maybe they were waiting for DJ Moore to get here. And and Bray Lynch. Bray Lynch is probably, I know you love DJ Moore. Bray Lynch might be my favorite young offensive lineman. Now he's only 280 uh, and he was not in for spring practice. Um, But you have. You have some options, and you have Carter Smith. Uh, also, he was in for spring, so can he get up close to two? You know, three hundred. He's listed at two eighty right now. Can he get up to wait uh, to play in the Big Ten? So, I, I think you're the rotation's better. I don't think it's locked into place just yet, but you have a lot of guys on the offensive line who I think are more talented than
2: the guys that they had last year. Absolutely, there's no question. Uh, The incoming freshman class, I think, just in terms of their potential and incoming uh, ratings, it's probably the best incoming class of offensive linemen on paper that I use had in years. Um, DJ Moore is a, you know, a highly coveted guard. Um, Carter Smith, you know, very athletic, high potential uh, tackle prospect, and then Bray Lynch was, you know, a captain. And uh, just a, a winner, all one Three, three state
1: a, titles in Texas at Westlake and Austin, yeah. which is a tremendous school. He's an All American. Uh, he's a two, yep. I think he did track and field as well. He's just, he's yep. that guy that you wish was in for spring ball. Um, but maybe he takes those first couple games, uh, you know, maybe he's an end of the year four game guy. and things
2: like that. But man, I'm excited for him. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a a player that I I think a lot of Indiana fans were nervous uh, that um, Indiana might not hold on to him uh, and his commitment, but you know, he stayed locked in and um, it's, I think that the two tackle positions, I think Indiana knows right now who's going to start there uh, Haggard and Bedford, at left and right, I think Zach Carpenter the heavy favorite at center. I think the guard positions are absolutely wide open uh, to be one in fall camp. So um, you're right. I think there's more depth there than there has been. How it shakes out is going to be interesting. And I, I certainly think that there's a chance just on personnel. There might be some growing pains, but I think the overall talent level uh, has certainly increased along the we'll call it the two deep uh that the overall talent level is quite a bit higher uh than it has been depth wise it's a question of whether or not they can get those players uh ready to, to play at a big 10 level now which is what iu needs yep
1: and uh, another question from from daddy hoosier uh tj we don't know the answer to this one how is it that we're playing at nebraska twice in a row so iu Went to Nebraska in 2019. I think Nebraska came to IU in 2016. And now back in 2022, they're going back to Lincoln to play Nebraska at a night game on October 1st. I, I don't know. It's the Big Ten. That's my answer. Um, you know, it's the Big Ten. That's They're in charge of schedules. Uh, I don't think – It was, I think this was a year that they were always going to Nebraska. Uh, I don't think it got jumbled up with all the COVID reschedules and things like that. So it is what it is. You play the people on your schedule where you need to play them, and hopefully you can go in there and and beat them
2: again. Yep, there are far worse options. So that one's, uh, you know, not one that I've, it's a fair question. It's just one that I'm not particularly worried about because we could be playing at Iowa again, which is something I definitely don't want to do. Nope.
1: Uh, and then finally, our final questions of the day TJ are from IU Hype Man again. Uh, where would you pregame for a 7 p.m. kickoff? Where do we go to mm-hmm. celebrate after the win? What's the best hotels to stay at? Should I get a parking pass for the game? Price of a good ticket? Three players we're most excited to watch. And um, the final question we'll let. Uh, how bad are we gonna thump uh, these people from from Illinois? Uh, edited and redacted. Good editing. Um,
2: good. Yeah.
1: So uh, first, uh, where would you pregame for a seven PM kickoff? Depends what you want to do. IU's got a bad setup in terms of there's not very many bars located close to the stadium. But if you're looking for a good meal before the game with drinks, I would head to Nick's. Uh, if you're looking just to get drinks at a Bar, um, man, if uh, Yogi's didn't close by, close to the stadium, I, I would say there. Um, again, Knicks is a very good place. You could go to uh, Kilroy's across the street from Knicks. There there's upstairs. Uh, Brothers is there as well. Uh, frankly, if I'm just getting drinks, I'd rather go tailgate. Uh, and things like that. You're up by the stadium. You don't have to drive or walk anywhere that far. Uh, if you find a good tailgate party, it's much better, than, in my opinion, than going to a bar. But if you're looking to sit down for food and a quick drink before the game, I would check out Knicks and then make your way up to the
2: stadium. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean you you know better than me. I I've I'm living the Living the kid life, so I don't uh, don't get to do those things very often anymore. But um, Mother Bear's for pizza is always something that my unsophisticated palate will enjoy.
1: Uh, celebrate after the win. It de- really depends on um, what time the game is. The afternoon game, I, I would always head down to uh, Kirkwood. There's Eric Gordon's Greek pizzerias across the street from the stadium as well. Um, but I would head down to Kirkwood to celebrate. Now, if it's a, depending how old you are, and it's a night game, uh, Kirkwood's the place (laughs) to be. But if the game ends at midnight, I'm celebrating in the car and and on the way home and and heading to bed um, up in Indy. Uh, The best hotels to stay at, the last time I went down and stayed overnight in Bloomington, I did an Airbnb, uh, and it was fantastic. It was on... There you I go. think I think Lake Lemon uh, one of the lakes down there uh, in in Brown County it was a maybe 15 20 minute drive to to the stadium. Um, it was great. They had a fire fire pit. Um, you know you don't have it, I think it's a little cheaper than hotels um, mm-hmm. and you get you get more bang for your buck especially if you're going down with a group of people. Um, I know the graduates a good hotel. Uh, that people stay at, uh, the union, but that usually is booked up. Uh, and a lot of the hotels have a two-night minimum. But if you're going to make a weekend out of it with a group of friends, I, Airbnb, Verbo, um, whatever app you use, that to me, that's the way to go. Uh, you get a place on the lake, get it in the woods, you get it in Bloomington um, and, and things like that. There's plenty of places. So that's that's the way I would go. Parking pass for the game, I would get a parking pass. Um, all the lots around the stadium are passes only. I know people love to park in the grass lots. Those go quickly. I like to park in lot 10 and 11 on the north side of the stadium. Uh, the atmosphere is is pretty good. It's There's some grass areas. There's some um, paved areas, which are good for inclement weather. Uh, and it's easy access in and out. Uh, you're right there on 4546. 46. Um, and if you don't get a parking pass, you're probably going to end up parking across the street at the church, um, which it isn't bad, but you're further away from the stadium. Uh, and parking passes aren't all that super expensive. Uh, if you're going with a group, I would get a, a, Two or three passes and and find your spot. Uh, grass grass is always popular, uh, and then I, I believe the lots ten and eleven on the backside are, are are good places too. But check check the the IU website for for parking passes. They should be open to the public. Um, now, price of a good ticket it depends on the game and what you consider yeah. a good ticket. Um, for the opener, I. If I had to budget, I'd probably pay around, if I'm going on StubHub, probably pay around $50 or $60 a ticket. Um, If I was going to the Idaho game, I'd probably pay about $20 to $30 a ticket. Uh, I would always check with the athletic department first and compare it with StubHub, um, especially for the bigger games like Michigan for homecoming, um, the bucket game, and things like that, because – People jack up those prices on StubHub like they do with the parking passes. But i, I if you're paying over $100 a ticket, that's a little much on my part. Uh, you know, if I was going, I do like to sit up a little bit higher and get a better view of the the whole field. Um, but if you want to sit down low, uh, closer to the field uh, for a big game, you're probably looking at, at $100 a ticket uh on secondary markets and then three who are the three players are most excited to watch tj
2: uh was that incoming freshman was that what it was i think it's any player any player okay any player well uh we've already established sean shivers as one. um the easy answer on defense would be taiwan mullen but um you know he, he tends to not be involved all that often due to his skill at defensive back so uh cam jones for me is number two a player that i love watching at linebacker um and then i'm going to go with um i know the the correct football answer would be some type of lineman but i'm not sophisticated enough for that so uh, um i will go with dj matthews as my my third choice he was a lot of fun before getting hurt last year. I think that was a major blow to IU's offense, and I'm excited to see what he can do uh, here in a, a comeback year for him.
1: Those are three excellent choices. Um, I'm, I'd pick so similar, uh, but first I'm going to go A.J. Barner on offense. Uh, I know that tight end yeah. hasn't been been yeah. been used all that much, but I think Walt Bell will use that tight end a little bit more. Tom Allen has been open about how good Barner is. He said he could be the best tight end ever in at IU, which is high praise mm-hmm. considering that Peyton Hendershot was probably the best tight end ever at IU coming in uh, before him. So I'm excited to see AJ Barner play. If you saw the workout video that IU posted from this last weekend, he looks ready to rock and roll and destroy people. Um, he's just put on a lot of uh, – muscle and, and those things
2: i yeah, filled uh, number,
1: out yep. number two um I, I won't take cam jones uh, again i'm excited to see that's tough uh, i'm excited to see uh monster matthews he, he should be back healthy he's got a lot of proof this year um You know, coming back uh, for his senior graduate year, Um, he was a big part of that defense in 2020, uh, creating turnovers and and getting interceptions and and things like that. Uh, So he'll be the guy I'm watching on on defense. And then uh, on offense, I'm going Jalen Lucas. Um, He's a freshman. They're going to get the ball into his hands somehow. How much he plays. Uh, we'll see but he's a guy that was kind of under under the radar recruiting he was a late add to the class yep um he's super fast i think he had a really good spring spring practice as well he could play uh be used in in the backfield he could be used in the slot he could return kicks uh mm-hmm. he's a guy that i'm excited to to um to watch it he, he had a uh, Eight, over 1,800 all purpose yards
2: his senior season. So, well, I mean, coaches in New Orleans, the high school coaches in the New Orleans area were. Uh, they loved him. Um, almost, almost beside themselves that he was getting out of the SEC. Um, they, they were, you know, making anonymous quotes and comments to uh, area recruiting experts and reporters that were just almost begging uh, SEC schools to come recruit the kid. And they, they did, but it was late. And Lucas had a previous relationship with the Indiana coaches that they kept up with uh, after his commitment to Tulane, they stayed on him and eventually uh, you know, won his, won his commitment. And uh, I know that the coaching staff was, thrilled about it because they do view him as the type of you know uh game breaker that they they were desperately searching for uh so that that's a, a very good choice
1: yeah i think he he'll they'll find ways to get him the ball uh kind of like david uh, they tried to do with david ellis david ellis can stay healthy. Um, But if he stays healthy, they're going to get him the ball in a lot of different ways. So I'm excited for Jalen Lucas. Anyway, TJ, that was our final question uh, of of the afternoon. I do want to thank everybody who sent in a question and submitted. I believe we got to them all. If we didn't, I apologize. I will do it again um, if this becomes a popular uh, segment. And we'll do it maybe during the open week. Uh, during the season and and then again in the off season things like that, so thank you guys for sending in your questions. They were great questions i uh, i I loved getting them on on Twitter talking to t j about them as they came in as well so thank you to to all the people who who sent in in questions
2: on twitter Yep, absolutely I think a bi week segment uh, where you know the questions might be uh significantly more um Angry or pessimistic, depending on how the season's going, or they might be, hey, what kind of bowl game can we get in if IU gets off to a hot start? But I, I think that, that would be a fun, uh, bye week thing is to, to, you know, take the mailbag again and see the check the pulse of people uh, at that point in the season. So this was a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure what we're doing next week. I think we might be starting uh conference yeah conference SEC, yeah so well, well be that'll ahead. be fun because it just means more so we'll we'll make sure we devote our full attention to it
1: yep and we will uh, it's the podcast that just means more um so anyway that does it for today's podcast thank you for everybody sending questions again thank you for listening uh you can come back to hoosierhuddle.com we'll have the podcast posted on there as well as our countdown to kick off. We started our season opponent previews as well. Illinois has been posted. I'm working on Idaho right now. Um, Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. And we'll have all, all the updates. Recruiting is underway. A lot of people are taking official visits as soon as news breaks. We'll bring it to you as well. So uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the first day of summer this week as well. Stay cool. If you can. And, uh, Football season's right around the corner. Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
0: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it
3: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
0: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this.